Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. I just want to speak to the listening audience for a moment, all right? Those of you that are listening to this morning's message, I want you to know I am so sorry you could not be here to be able to worship with us with these wonderful people. I want to thank Megan and Ryan and what they have done from Casting Crowns to prepare our hearts, and then before them to prepare our hearts for Megan and Ryan to have the worship team here at Circle Community Church just prepare our hearts. So I thank you. And with those two great groups, if I can't preach a message after that, I'll never be able to preach a message after that. Those of you who are our guests here today, I want you to just kind of settle in. You are in a place where you are really loved here. You are really, really cared for here. So just sit back. No one's going to ask you to come forward, jump up and down or anything like that. We just want to love on you, but also teach you God's Word. It's my heart's desire that when you leave here today, that there might be some decisions that you know you would want to make, and you'll make those decisions that will bring you closer to the Lord and really understand why the other folks in here love the Lord so much because we want you to know our Lord as your Lord, and then you become our brother and sister in Christ. This morning's message is called The God of Second Chances, and I think if the truth be told, all of us either has had a second chance or we wish we had a second chance. The story is told of this little boy who was walking through the kitchen, about eight years old, and he had a bat and ball in his hand, and he walked out the kitchen door and right underneath the kitchen window while Mama was doing the dishes. And this kid gets over there, and he straightens up his shoulder. He gets the bat out there, and he throws the ball. And as he's throwing the ball, he says, I'm the greatest batter in all the world. And he throws it up, and he swings, and he misses. Well, that's all right, he says. I guess I've got to hit this hard. So he picks the ball up, and he throws it up again. And this time, he swings with all of his might, and just as about as he hit that ball, he misses again. <clears throat> so he drops the ball and he says, all right, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to do it this time. So he gets that ball, concentrates, squares his shoulder, puts the bat on his shoulder, gets ready, throws the ball up. I'm the greatest batter that ever lived. And he swings and he now spins around so much he falls on the ground. And he says, strike three. <laughs> then he says, Well, I'm the greatest pitcher that ever lived. (laughs) Now, why am I telling you that story? Although that was nothing more than just a little thing in the backyard, he really got the perspective right. I missed it the first time, but I can get it the next time from another direction. And so I don't know what burdens you might be carrying in now. You might be carrying a a whole boatload of I would have, could have, should have, and you don't know what to do with all of that. And I'd like you to know that you need to know the God that really loves you even when you've had those things in your life. I'm also reminded of this story of Thomas Edison. Who can forget him, you know, Edison and all this house and museum here in Florida? But there was a time that he finally figured out this contraption of a light bulb. He had a group of guys that were working on this process, I mean a large team, and it took him 24 hours, the history book says, to come up with it, and now he believed he found this thing. So as he's gathering up the stuff to take upstairs out of the room that he was doing all of this in, There was another young guy with him, and he said, here, will you now carefully take this upstairs? And so they're going up the stairs, the boy in front of him, but the boy then drops that light bulb. And you don't just go to Walmart and buy another one. So those guys got together again, and they had to spend another 24 hours or so 
to redo all of the glass and blow it and put the filament and all that kind of stuff in it. And you know what he does? He says, come over here, young man. Take the light bulb up again. And I thought that is something really tremendous. Now, I don't know that I would do that. So maybe for some of you, you've uh, had your second chance. But maybe you need to give someone a second chance in your life. I know what the case may be. Some of you may not be something so much that you've blown, but your life has been so busy you had to put it on hold. How many of you remember that TV show that was called The Moment with the uh, football player where these nine reality people had to put their life on hold, but for whatever reason they were given another chance to uh, maybe reach their dream? Well, I would like to say, like a man that spoke to me so many times, great truth, he says, as long as you can wiggle that little finger you got another chance. And so I would like you to know that when you leave here today, you can have another chance with the Lord. Then I got thinking, if we were given another chance, what would it be like? Years ago, I hate to admit this, but uh, Carol and I really had a weak moment. And we went to the movies. And we saw a movie with Burt Reynolds. That's bad enough. But this was called The End. All right? And if you remember that movie, it was about this guy who found out, that was Burt Reynolds, that he had terminal illness, cancer, whatever it was. And he thought, I can't handle this. So he hired a hitman. And he said to the hitman, no, no matter what I tell you, you're to kill me. Whatever, you're an assassin, no matter what I tell you. And so most of the movie is this hitman chasing Burt Reynolds around trying to kill him. Well, finally, Burt Reynolds found a place where he could get further away from the threat of that hitman. But that hitman was right on his tail. And he finally said, oh God, I've denied you all my life, but if you save me, I'll give you 90% of all that I have. Well, the threat became less and less. I'll give you 80%. I'll give you 70%. I'll give you 20%. Made all those promises. And I think uh, we're all like that. I'm like that. And then the hitman showed up again. All right, Lord, I'll give you 90%, you know, and we're back at it again. So we bargain with God. I, I know we do. You've been to the dentist and they say, you know what? You need to floss. And if you floss, you'll be all right. How, how many listens to the hygienist when they tell you to do that? Really? <laughs> the first week, you know, you buy the floss and it stays in the back of the drawer and you use it for whatever. Then you get the toothache and then the root canal. Now, if you haven't experienced that, you have experienced probably, maybe, I hope you haven't, but what I've experienced. I am very um, diligent, those of you that know me. I'm really careful. I have safe backup systems on everything that I try to do. But a week ago, my nine-year-old Mac, which I just appreciate, is a road warrior. It has been all over the world with me where I speak. We've lived in Hawaii in a non-air-conditioned house. Think about living in Florida without air conditioning and the humidity. This Mac, and it has been everywhere. I back it up with all these systems. But now we're getting ready for Florida Bible College to begin with classes. We have you, dear reunion people. We're planning things for the church and all. And I'm, and I'm working on this message. And so I get it all done here that I think, and I back it up in the morning. And then I ran out, came back, and then I finished this entire message. I finished all my classes. I finished pretty much what I could do. Go back out, do stuff. Come back after dinner. And the thing crashed on me. I mean, it wasn't like a crash. It was far beyond life support. It was like, <laughs> you know? And uh, you all are saying, you should have backed that up, you know? And we know that, <laughs> all right? But I didn't back it up 
every second. And so I was good till the morning, but all the stuff I put on there is gone. And so I had to find a place and get it. up. So I have to tell you, by God's grace, he gave me a second chance. So I back it up every word. Back it up, back it up, back it up, back it up. The guy looking at this thing, John and others, they said, you know, Stan, you need to have a memorial service for this. Now, we're having a little joke in here, but for some of you, you are carrying a lot of pain. We live without a computer. We all could live in Afghanistan. You know what I mean by that. We got it really too good. But some of you are really feeling the pain. Do I get another chance, and what might it be like? You may take some notes. I'm not going to do stuff on PowerPoint. I usually do and give out handouts, and you can fill in. But I wanted to do a little bit old school today, and because I lost some of my notes. All right. (laughs) So I guess my question to you is is a pretty good question. What happens, though, if you were given a second chance? Think about it for a moment. Go back over your life, over whatever it might have been, a relationship, a career, money, kids, whatever. If you were given a second chance, what would it be like? I don't know, but play around with that just a little bit. I know we can't live the thrilling days of yesteryear or always complete and succeed in the agonies of life, but I think sometimes we would like to. We'd like a do-over. There's a poem, and I'm not much into poems, so if you like poems, I clap you, I cheerlead you, but don't send me any. All right, Louisa Tarkington wrote this poem. It really spoke to me. He says, I wish that there were some wonderful places called the land of begin again, where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all our poor selfish grief could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door and never put on again. I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of begin again. And I read that, and in my days when I have my eyes not where they should be on the Lord and other things, I do wish I had another. I, I, I do now. In my life, wish I could do certain things again differently. But I know that there is a place of begin again. And that's a place that's in Israel. That's a place that's called Calvary. And in there is a person, a God, that gave all of us a second chance if we want to take it. And it could be called, we get a chance to be born again, a do-over. So I want to talk about that, God, today. And so perhaps the best way to begin this would be to take us to the book of Jonah. Now, frankly, I have to tell you, I had a very difficult time selecting someone from the Bible that would illustrate the God of second chances. No, it's not because there's not many guys in there. It's that there were so many in there. Now, that's a discussion to have in a small group and to talk about which ones and how that all happened. So I just had to basically uh, pray, ask God, put up some names on the board and throw a dart, and I came up with Jonah. There's some great truths that we can get out of his life, but I'm going to just reduce it all to a little section of his life and give you three. And if you got these three, not that there are not others, but if you get three, and I think we can handle three today, I think your life could be changed. So I want you to know this. I want you to believe this, and then I want you to let the Holy Spirit apply this to your life. Now, I know that there may be people listening to me today, you hear the word Jonah, and you know something about Jonah, but I'm finding as I get older, and it seems like people around me are getting younger, that they don't know who Jonah is. So for that little group, let me just kind of tell you a simplified but yet pretty accurate story of Jonah. Jonah was what we would say in the Bible, a minor prophet. 
And that's because the book is smaller, focused on this particular period of time, but great truths that we can gain from it. Jonah was commissioned by the Lord to leave where he was and go to a place called Nineveh. And you had to go there, Jonah, and you had to preach a message where that God's saying, I'm going to basically rain down crud on that city for their wickedness, their evil, their sin, and all that kind of stuff. Well, if God told me to do something like that, I think I would do that, wouldn't you? The answer is really no, because most of us know that God has told us to do things we didn't do it. So he's not too different than we are, although that was a pretty big thing to do. Now, most people, God tells me to do that, I'm not going to do that, and so we go business as usual with life. Not Jonah. It wasn't business as usual life. He then decides, i got to get out of here. So Nineveh is one place, and so he gets on a boat, a ship, and he goes in another direction. Now, he's pretty satisfied, kind of cocky, so he goes to sleep, and while he does, the whole boat's just going crazy, and the guys are all going crazy, and kind of came out that, hey, this guy Jonah, and Jonah says, hip, whip, whip, I'm the guy. This is why we have the storm. I'm going to perish, but I don't want you to perish. So Jonah then basically says, I'm going to commit suicide. You know, he didn't read the rest of the story of his life, you know, he overboard. So with all these guys and tossing them over and him going overboard, he then winds up fish bait. And now we can, listen, I know that some of you, is it a great fish, was a whale, it had to be a whale, God can make miracles, you know, and it's a great fish because no whale, and we get all, we, I like what G. Campbell Morgan said. He said, we spend too much time talking about the great fish and not enough time talking about the great God. And so I don't want to go into this whale thing right here unless you really want to, but I'd rather go into the great God thing. So let's go back to that for just a moment. So now he's in this thing, and there's a sense that... Now, now this isn't a story, kids. This really happened. It's not an allegory. This really happened. So while he's in this thing, he then really prays to the Lord, and there is that uh, God moment. We would say today, jokingly, he had a come-to-Jesus moment. you know. And so he does all, does all this stuff, humbles himself, and then what God does, he brings him to the, to the beach, basically, and he is human whale vomit. That's it. Okay? So God got his attention. Now, the rest of that story I'm going to tell as I go through these points, but I wanted you to know because we're picking it up at a very important point. So listen as we go through this. Point number one, God learned, or Jonah learned that God gives second chances. When he's out on the beach again, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Jonah 3 1. Underline the word second time. God didn't give up on him. God didn't change the message either, by the way. God gave him a do over. It says, Jonah found out how good God is. I want you to listen very carefully for just a moment. I, I, I don't want you to just think that. Uh, that this is a story without God can doing this. You that are on the outside looking in to the Christian faith and all of that, I'm really praying that as you go through this that you can come to the point that, yeah, there is a God who can give me a second chance. So at least go that far. Now the rest of you that are already there, yeah, I know he can do that. Then I'd like you to take the next step, which is God will give me a second chance. And then the third step is, I will accept that second chance. So where are you? And kind of move with me on that journey. Well, in case you think I'm only picking up Abraham, some of you are saying, well, what kind of things would God give me a second chance for? Well, I don't know that I could say specifically this, specifically that, but I don't have to because I can show you people in the Bible and how they got a second chance to show you the bigger picture, God has got a second chances. 
But if you need to see some areas that he did give a second chance in, which by extension could be you, let me give you a couple of these guys. And remember, we don't have all day, so I'm not going through all of them, but I'm going to pick out some of them. There's a guy in the Bible, old guy. I mean, really old, not just because it was so long ago, but he was really, he was a geezer. Okay, old. God gave him a promise, actually a bunch of them. One of them, he said, you know, you're going to get a special land. It's going to be a big land. It's going to be your land. My land, your land, it's, your, it's, it's special. You know where it is yet? I do. Not you, but it's going to be your land, and that's a very pro- prominent land. He said, but it's going to be empty, so you've got to have people in this thing. So how do you, you're going to have so many people, you can't even count all the generations and kids and everything that you have. And then thirdly, out of all of that, it's because I'm going to take and have one special person be born in that, we would know today, is God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Now, that's the story. Well, this kind of dude, you know, he's, you know, okay, that's cool, I'll do it. So he travels and all that. And while he's doing that, you know, it, it gets impatient. You know, hey, we're trying, we're just not working. We're too old. So after all that time, I imagine that some of you did what he did, and here it is. You remember a time you took matters into your own hand. How'd that work for you? How'd it work for him? What did he do? His wife, trying to speed up the process too, says, here, take my hand, take my, basically the gal who helps me clean the house, does the things around the house. Let's have kids through her. That's all right. You know, and I don't want to get too graphic, but that's what happened. That didn't work out very well. And by the way, this is another whole sermon. We're living the results of that mistake. But you know what? God gave him a do-over. And we still have the nation of Israel today, no matter what they went through. So God can give you a do-over. Well, then you have another guy. I like to say that he had at least two do-overs. I really like that because I need a lot of do-overs. Here was his first do-over, and maybe this could be for you. Listen carefully to this. This guy was born at a time that lots of babies were dying, mostly, I think, Scripture says, male guys. So guys, you listen up especially to this, although everyone can benefit. At that time, all these little babies were dying, but it happened to be that this one baby was kind of rescued and put in a little basket and taken off by someone else, so the baby never really died. The reason they were dying is because the Pharaoh was killing all these, didn't like all these, these babies and these kids and all that. Now, here's your story of this, and that is maybe some of you know your history that uh, you almost died, maybe as an infant and maybe in a car wreck that you didn't die in. Those of you that were in any of the wars, the guys were dropping all around you, but you, um, you survived. You couldn't make yourself survive, but you know you could have died. Immediately, you have what I call destiny. So no matter what you go through, you have purpose. And you did get a second chance. I feel that. I have a brother 15 years older than me. And between my brother and me are numbers of babies that died. It's the old, because I'm old, it's the RH factor thing. You know what I'm trying to say before they sorted all that out? And then I came out. <laughs> I was going to say in all my glory, but this is church. It's his glory. So I don't, but you know what I mean. The point still being is, do you know that you could have died and you didn't die? But he got a second chance. Now he's in Egypt, of course. He knows he's of the Hebrew heritage. And now he sees a couple people there fighting. And the Egyptians just beating the tar out of his brother. 
So he goes over there and basically beats the tar out of the Egyptian. He says, oh, this is no good. I've got to get rid of the body. So he buries him in the sand. Well, of course, he paid a high price for that. He spent 40 years in the backside of the desert. But God says, I'm not done with you. <laughs> you get to go back to Egypt. <laughs> but this time he went back with power and miracles. Read the story. All right, so maybe some of you have done something so bad as murder. Maybe you didn't kill anybody, but you kill someone else's reputation. You kill that other person's opportunity to move forward. You destroyed something in their life, and now you've covered it up all these years. You can have a do-over. Now, it's not a free pass. It'll cost you brokenness, humility, and crying unto God. Don't fear him. That's exactly what he wants. He wants you to do that. That's the right thing to do. So don't fear him with that. Then you have another guy. He's like a CEO of a huge company, and he looks at his uh, lieutenant's wife, who's pretty good, and well, he looked at her, but I think he stalked her. But we'll go into that so much so that, and by the way, when the head guy could do something, and he's coming after you, she, whatever, was taken over, and now you have adultery. Well, now you've got a problem because his reputation is important that he doesn't do these kind of things. So the best thing to do is bring the husband home so they can do their dance. And what happened, he said, no, no, I can't, do, I can't spend time with my family while my men are out in the field doing their stuff, doing their jobs. And so eventually the CEO then sets it up so he kills him. And that's besides all, it's all deception too. It's complete deception. So maybe for you, it's a lot of adultery. But it's the way you did your adultery. It's how much stuff you had to do to try to cover it up in what you did. That man I'm talking about is, I think, the greatest king Israel had ever known. A man after God's own heart, but also a man who was an adulterer and a murderer. Now, God gave him a second chance, but I will tell you, there is a high cost of a saved man's sin. So he didn't just get a free pass, but he did get a pass. And why he did that is because he was broken. He wasn't afraid to go to the God that he offended. There's a whole psalm about that, Psalm 51. You read, this is how you actually perhaps communicate your brokenness to the Lord. Well, you see, I can go on and on. Man, I've got John Mark here. I've got Peter here. I've got Paul here. These are guys in the Bible that did stuff. John Mark, for those of you who know it, free, he was a quitter. Did he quit the job? Quit on a marriage? Quit on your kids? quit on a team here at church, quit something that you said you would do and just kind of walked away? I don't know why this guy John Mark did it. I, I don't know that, so I can't push stuff into that. But I can say he left the company that he was with, and I don't know that he did it so right because a great guy like Paul really got ticked off over that. But he got a do-over. And you can have a do-over. You ladies are so smug out there. What about me? What about me? Do I get a do-over? Is there any women in the Bible? No, you all are doomed. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. You could look at Rahab. I don't know that she's the strongest illustration, but I can think about the woman who had five guys in her life and they weren't her husband. I could think about her. And then she gets a do-over. She comes to the Lord. She responds to the Lord's teaching, which I'm hoping all of us will do today. You might not have the same result that she had. You'll have the same forgiveness, but not the result. She became, in my opinion, the greatest woman evangelist that ever lived. 
she went back to her city and just said, here's this guy. And there was revival that broke out. So I'm saying you still have a do-over. There's still a great life ahead of you. I don't, I don't care how old you are. And you young bucks that are out there that think that I haven't done anything wrong just yet, it was coming, it's coming, <laughs> all right? So take these notes down and apply them to your life. So Jonah learned that God gives a second chance. Will you believe first that God can do that? These are examples. This is not a history book. It has history, but it's not a history book. It's a book about Jesus. And these are all stories that are real events of real people that are just like you, and God gave a second chance, so he can do it. And if you already believe that, then will you now respond to that God of second chances? Well, let's go to the second point. There's only three, not a lot. Number one, God gives second chances. Number two, God, excuse me, Jonah learned that God still had a plan for his life. I like that. God still had a plan for his life. So not only did he get a second chance, it wasn't like, okay, I forgive you. Life is usual now. No, there is still more to do. And I would like to cast an encouragement, not a challenge, but just an encouragement to you. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.